Now, True Wealth, presented by Little John Financial Services. Here are David Little John and Katie Shook with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Hello, hello, and welcome to the True Wealth Radio Show. This is Katie Shook, one of your hosts. I'm hoping to have David patched through. I think we're still working on some technical difficulties. Um, David is in an undisclosed location. Maybe he'll disclose that to you. But in the meantime, the show today is supposed to be about the election because guess what today is? No, 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 no. All about the election. So I'm waiting to see... Now I feel like I'm stuck. I'm happy it's Tuesday. I'm happy you guys are here and listening to the True Wealth Radio Show. Man, I know it's the beginning of the month, but it is already bananas. Bananas. I can't hear him. I don't know. And I'm talking. Technical difficulties. It's going to be technical difficulty Tuesday. David? Hello? No? Keep with us, guys. I know we're... we're, uh, Bueller. We're getting there. We're going to try... Um, Bueller. I don't know where October went. October just seemed to Bueller. fly by. And I can't believe that we're already going into halfway through the fourth quarter. I will tell you, though, uh, there's some other fun tax planning that's kind of been on the horizon. Um, for those of you that have been working on um, just trying to get your personal affairs straightened away, taking that extra time um extra time haha that you might have had at home oh, evidently get, uh, they can hear me so you need to put on your um, head this year has been an interesting year for income some people <laughs> have made extra income some people are still struggling um it's kind of been all over the board and so uh i would say uh if you are working on trying to figure things out it is november already which like i said i can't believe how fast this year has flown by and uh working on tax planning work with your uh, accountant and your cpa get things kind of straightened away. I'm still trying to get David on the phone, you guys. I'm so sorry. You get me monologuing, which is so fascinating because I've been told he's on the phone, but I can't hear him. And I think I'm missing We're talking over each other. And I will tell you, it sounds like a fun thing to monologue into a microphone for 45 minutes, but it's very frightening. (laughs) And they've left me in charge of the soundboard, which is almost worse. David, are you there? I'm nope, here. Still no David. I can't hear him. Yeah. Well, anyways, like I said, you're going to get me. So I will say, for the record, I know that the, our, I don't even think we have live voting in Oregon. Do we have live voting in Oregon? I sound so ignorant about that right now. I mailed in my ballot weeks ago. I cast my vote. No, I'm not telling you who I vote for. But I will say voting is super important. Today is a very, today's a day that's going to go down in uh, in history for sure. Um, you know, there's so much going on. The air is just politically charged and, uh, voting, like I said, is something (laughs) that is super and super important, right? So if you don't vote, then you don't have the right to complain because there are going to be winners and there's going to be losers and everybody of course is voting for their team. Um, and it's going to be a close race guys. It's, uh, it's a very, very interesting time, um, like I don't I don't even know if our country has ever voted during a pandemic <laughs> or if we did it might have been very early on but a, the pandemic has kind of moved things up and down I've seen political ads about climate change I've seen political ads about the forest fires that we just had here in Oregon um 
it's I get that they're trying to polarize you and get you to vote for one team or another based on a specific issue. Um, some of you are watching and listening very intently to the TV or to the radio um, about what's happening. And uh, some of you aren't. I have my headphones on. It's not feeding. I don't know what's going on. I can't hear anything. Well, we're working on it. So I don't even know what the feed sounds like. David's probably commenting on my monologuing and I can't hear it. Hold on. There. David? Yes. Yay! Okay. Okay. We figured this out. Oh, my goodness. Do you know how scary I, that is for me? Apparently, the listeners are texting me saying, we can hear you, you know. And I'm being obnoxious saying, like, Bueller, Bueller, can you hear me now? I couldn't hear anything. <laughs> Do you know how bad it is? I'm like, okay, we're live on the air and I know he's she's there. Oh, he's She's freaking out, and we're like, I don't want a monologue. Please don't make me do this. <laughs> well, and I'm you like, do I, do I need to do a seance? Do I need to, like, conjure no, it, up? <laughs> yeah. It couldn't be more appropriate for the day, though, because <sighs> we're, we, we talked about what we were going to cover beforehand. And, yeah, you know, it's an election. I get it. And we're, I don't even – I'm not going to talk about the vote because we're not going to know, uh, at least until the polls close. And, you know, everybody's trying to gear it up like it could be months and we won't know and it's going to be a catastrophe i doubt it uh but but you know what's going to be fun uh, so i want to talk about the end of the world what that doesn't That's sound fun today no it's hilarious uh look so this is the other one percent right when we talk about the one percent we often talk about oh you know the one percent is this ultra wealthy group that has all the money and everybody else sort of wants to throw rocks right no no i'm talking about the one percent probability the stuff that's way out there on the tail edge of the bell curve that's like you know 12 sigmas out there the stuff that's not supposed to really happen but people are acting like it's going to just for sure happen so like, wouldn't these know, be considered it's going to lead to collapse wouldn't these be considered <laughs> statistical anomalies though it's not even they're not anomalies. This is this is something we call tail risk. OK. And if you think about the way a bell curve is shaped, it looks like a bell. Right. But if you go way, way out on what is the is the X axis is the one that goes, you know, to left, right. You know, that's the horizontal axis. Right. And the Y axis is the one that goes up and down. Up and down. Right. So if we go way, way out on the X axis, the probability of something like that happening is super, super, super low. And it gets lower right. as you head Point, further oh, out. Oh, 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 doesn't happen. Uh, <laughs> but, the, but this is the thing. So statistics are funny, and they can mess with your head. Like, for example, right, you are more likely to die from being hit by an asteroid than being killed in a plane crash. What? Right? Did you Google right. that? Now that's, now that's a real statistic. You know why? Because first of all, your lot, your probability of dying from an asteroid is like basically nothing, except the way statistics work and why they're flawed is if Earth gets hit by an asteroid, it kills like billions of people. So, you know, if it happens one time, but it kills billions of people, then it skews the statistics. Right? Oh, I always it's think of an asteroid like ketosis. being a, you know, large rock that you chuck. But you're right. Like, if, I mean, there could be like a large. No, not like a meteor. Not like a meteor coming through, like a basketball sized rock hitting the earth and making a crater. Okay. We're talking about an asteroid that's like, hey, this is several miles wide and it takes out North America. So we're right? talking you like know, Bruce and, Willis and, and Armageddon. Like we're talking yeah, like yeah that kind of thing okay yeah we're talking nuclear winter and like it you know kills off most of the population and we have to start civilization over 
Well, yeah, if that happens, then it wipes everybody out. So statistically, even though the likelihood that it happens is basically nothing, it takes out everybody. So, you know, an airplane crash takes out the people on the plane, but not the whole world. So it's funny, but the statistics don't really work that way, right? Right. And so I want to talk about some of these weird rumors going around because people have actually said things like, hey, it's the end of the world. Uh, Or here's the one that I hear a lot right now, and this one I raise an eyebrow about. I'm not going to say it's a zero possibility, but talk about another civil war. That's the one that's being talked about right now. People are actually sort of stockpiling munitions and so forth as if there's going to be a civil war. But I like with the original that's very probable. Right. Well, like with the original civil war, there was kind of you know, there was the north and the south, right? But like how is that divided now in the US? Cuz I I don't feel like it's there's a clear It's not divided the same. Well, that's why a civil war is hard. They would say it could happen along political ideologies, right? So the radical left and the radical right. But I mean, would it but be like there, a state versus a state or just like mob groups fighting in the street? you're already kind of getting at the crux of the issue, aren't you? Right? It sounds like one of those things where, how, how do you know what, who's on which team? Right? How, how would we have a civil war? We have an ideological civil war, and that's why we could call it sort of a Cold War ideologically. And we have seen areas like uh, urban centers where uh, protests have become violent and they become riots. Right. So we've seen pockets of anarchy. So I'm not going to say that it's not anarchy, but how do you – How do you spread that across the entire country? Right. And it's not necessarily like a line of scrimmage, for example. Right. It's not like, okay, we're going to march up to this line and then we're going to battle. I mean, it's it's more circular in motion, not linear. And so it makes it really difficult to. to... And in, in Roseburg, it's more of a if we think about it, like we've got uh, kind of Portland versus the rest of the state or maybe the Willamette Valley versus the rest of the state, um, primarily as voting blocks, right? You know, uh, Southern Oregon's really frustrated and says, hey, you know, wait a second. I mean, to have Portland votes for the whole state. That's lame. And then we have people say, let's become part of Idaho. Like, that's going to somehow – but but that's, that's at a very small scale relative to the rest of the country. I mean, Oregon as a population has less uh, – or, you know, has, we have fewer people in Oregon than L.A., Oh, oh, yeah. Like, like, I mean, I, I told you that statistic this morning. Like, we have less people in all of Oregon than they do in Orange County, California. Like, less right. people. They have so, more. And then we were talking, I joked around today about Disneyland, right? There are more people, on average, a day, Disneyland has twenty to 30,000 people come through their gates. A non-COVID yeah, like day. Like the whole town of Roseburg. Right. And so you're like, sweet. So if everybody from Roseburg went to Disneyland in the same day, it would be like one normal day in their park. Right. The lines would still probably be less. <laughs> yeah. So there's these statistical anomalies that are going on out there. And I just want to kind of I just this program's going to be about let's just go through some of them today because they're they're they actually are interesting. But I think as investors, uh, I want to try to give a little bit of backdrop. And and it's more like here's where should you be? placing your opportunities okay now I, and i always have to be careful remember we can't say that this is our advice but in a sense this is fairly pragmatic stuff and you know you go do your homework right but if something has a point oh nothing chance of occurring and you're treating it like it's got a hundred percent chance of occurring and you're not doing anything else then you're probably doing yourself a disservice this is like somebody that uh does 
all prepping. Like you, you built a bunker, you're stockpiling uh, food and ammunition, and you're ready to go underground for 30 years, right, for a nuclear winter. Okay. Well, if that doesn't happen and you spend all of your time and resources prepping for that, then you've kind of wasted a lot of your life in a sense because you're prepared for something that never occurs. Now, you may jump up and down saying, but I am prepared, to which I would say, eh, okay, letter of the law, technically speaking, you are prepared. Some, but well, that feels a little bit. something that didn't happen. Well, but there are things in life that we do that help us be prepared for things that may never happen. I mean, insurance is one of those. Well, it's a different level of risk management because if you sacrifice saving for retirement to build a bomb shelter, then I will tell you that you have actuarially probably missed the mark. True. And now you or say, you just you really so. need to if live you out your retirement. Out you need the shelter. <laughs> well, you just need to yeah. live out your retirement in your bomb shelter because you've now placed all your eggs in that basket. Right. So your retirement well, is going to consist of eating of dried food for 30 years. Right. And so those are the things that uh, we need to. I think I just want to peel back a little bit today. And there, there are a few of them I want to pick on. Here's one of them that is really interesting. Right. We could talk a lot on the show about this. And I'm going to try to make it interesting and fun and informative without being boring or terrifying okay because i don't think these are really terrifying okay but the first one on the list katie and, and I'll, I'll introduce it but then we gotta we'll grab our break here but i gotta introduce the first one on the list okay all right uh the first one is the u.s dollar is going to collapse and the united states is going bankrupt true or false why don't we tackle that but we got to take a break all right sounds good oh and there's right, the music so there we go Got the music. So we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll cover that and more about, you know, the end of the world. Is it going to happen or not? But we got to take this one first. So stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. And you're and listening to True. News Radio 1240. Thank yeah, you, you, Katie. You got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, Gabe. We are back. I know we're still trying to. Be, so, Katie, did you, did you explain what happened here at the the intro? So, like, I know you poor listeners. I am so sorry. So, I'm in here. I'm in by myself. David called into the studio. I don't even know if you said where you were because I was just babbling on and on. So, David, so I'm on was, the coast right now. David, right, I'm, you know, my family and I are we're motorhoming this weekend or this week rather, and we wanted to do this as part of COVID. So, so I'm remote. And we're figuring out how to make this happen. But you can tell there's like this little you know, idiosyncrasies in our communication. So the hardest part when I came in is they said, OK, David's on the phone. I lined it up with David. You know, he knew exactly where to call. Obviously, it's the phone number we've been spouting out on the radio for years. Um, but there's, you know, realize it's a live show. Right. So sometimes I feel like what can go wrong will. <laughs> So sure. there was there was a weird button, which we couldn't figure out. And by the way, I don't touch the buttons on the board except for the button I'm told to touch. Like, I just want to say I'm not going to accidentally ruin the show or transfer stations or do something weird because there's multiple stations that work out of the studio. And there was a button that wasn't active. So I couldn't hear David. So, you know, the engineer's going, keep going, keep going, keep talking. And I'm like, oh, monologuing. I was expecting David to be on the air. And I just felt... <laughs> Like a fish that could swim. And everybody swim. can hear me, right? That's, 
I'm getting texts going. We can hear you, and I'm being kind of a smart aleck. Uh, so if you're curious, go go check out the podcast. I gotta we're listen to it, leave it tomorrow. In there because it's too funny. We'll see uh, if we if there's a, a a spot we can actually edit, but uh, <laughs> it but happens. You, so that's how we do this. But you know what, life is exactly like this show right now. Life is just messy. Things don't go according to plan, and you just gotta kind of roll with it. So that's yeah. what we're doing, right? I mean, it's. Th- I figure it's all part of the chaos of election day and where everybody's heads at anyway. I don't know about you, but I've had, I'm not wound about this, but I've had to spend a lot of, I, I joke, like think units on the election, like just thinking about how it works and what it's going to mean. And believe it or not, we'll talk, but I'm going to make you guys wait till the end of the show for all those think units and how they apply to the election. But there's other stuff. We're talking about the end of the world first, right, Katie? Right. So I know you started so in with that. Favorite, and I'm like, what's your favorite rumor? Like, I want to know yours, Katie. Like, when, when you hear like a client that calls and says, well, what about this? Or, you know, your friends or family or somebody says, you know, what if this goes wrong? What's, your, what's the one you, you've heard the most, you think? So interestingly enough, and obviously you and I have a little bit different peer groups, um, it hasn't been what about the election or, you know, who are you voting for? But the funny memes that have come back from four years ago, right? So I remember four years ago when people were like, oh, if Trump gets elected, we're moving out of the country, right? And somehow that meme has come back. And not necessarily with just Trump. Like, obviously, people, again, are very polarized. But what's made me laugh is my realtor friends have said, you know, if your party doesn't win and you decide to move out of the country, let me know. I'll sell your house. And I was just like, so there, you know, I love that like my friends are kind of, they're kind of poking fun at the election. They're kind of poking fun a little bit at the, at just the heightened emotion. And to be honest, like, I think to me, I don't look in the rear view mirror and I voted two weeks ago. So like, to me, my job is done and I can't do anything to change the outcome. Right. Like I already said my piece, I did my vote, my vote. So I have been so busy just at the office that I feel like I haven't had time to spend think units on it. And honestly, like so many people I know and and care about and love are watching it. I feel like they're watching it for me. Like I don't have to pay attention because they're paying attention for me and they'll just tell me what I need to know when I need to know it. But and I feel bad because it's not that I don't care and I don't want to come across that way. Like I obviously care. But I don't feel like it's the end of the world. I feel like, you know, I'm going to get up tomorrow and still have to take my kids to school and still have to pack lunches. And so I I am not I am not a chicken little. The sky is not always falling. I agree. Uh, and, and that's part of why I wanted to have this show be a little bit about the end of the world and the jokes that come. And, you know, people genuinely believe this stuff. But here's my take on a lot of this. Uh, our political system, uh, there are a couple jokes that I like to refer back to regularly. One is that it is by design going to move really slowly. By design, right? It's hard to get 535 plus folks to agree on how to move everything forward. Cause, right? There's what? I think 435 representatives in the House, 100 senators, right? So how do you get 535 people to pull the legislation together and then get it to uh, the president's desk to sign something to make changes? It takes a lot of work. Yeah. And by right? the way, there's a lot of trading off of favors. Yeah. So just think about like your family Thanksgiving dinner. 
it usually feels a lot like that, right? There's always some bargaining and negotiating and somebody who's not agreeing. (laughs) I joke that, you know, I've been in HOAs, bigger ones and smaller ones. We couldn't get the homeowners to agree on stuff. What makes you think we're going to get the whole country to agree? This is also, by the way, my sidebar on socialism. And, you know, I know people that are uh, very different ideologically than I am. You know, I'm, I'm a conservative type of guy, and that makes sense. I'm in finance and so forth. But I'm a pragmatist, right? I believe in sort of finding compromise. And for the most part, I like small government, and I just like to give you as much freedom as you can handle. So when right? you say I mean, small government, will you kind of, of explain that? Because that's a term in itself that I hadn't really heard prior to talking to you. Um, but it really means something. Oh, I mean, literally, like it sounds, though, small government means I just think the government needs it to, needs to do fewer things where possible. We don't need as many agencies and we don't need as much intervention. We don't need as many people employed by the government doing stuff. We've really expanded the reach of the services that our government does a lot. And I'm not going to say that I don't want some of those services, right? I mean, I'm literally sitting in a, a, a state park that's a beautiful state park right now in the state of Oregon. So what you're, uh, but let I me clarify a little bit for you. That doesn't mean that you are saying defund the police or anything like that. What you're saying oh, is no. like well, less so basics, intrusion uh, from the government into daily activities in no i'm saying more aggressive than that i'm saying i actually think there should be like i would get rid of tsa right i think that the tsa at the airports is security theater i think that we spend <laughs> a lot of money in it and it doesn't really do what it's supposed to do so i could get rid of an entire agency that spends billions of dollars a year and i think that airlines if they want customers to fly on them can handle making them safe they can do that part and do it better than what TSA does. Just my opinion, and maybe somebody's got data to change my mind, but everything I've done research-wise says it doesn't really change anything. It just creates a bureaucratic bottleneck for airlines. Right. Well, uh, and some of that. That that part. Yeah, from someone who just recently flew internationally, it caused my luggage to arrive on the next plane. So I got to sit in a wonderful airport for an extra hour and a half waiting for my suitcase to show up. Yeah, and, and that's the kind of stuff where I say that's just an example of government getting really big. Um, and I could go on and on about it. I don't want that to be the purpose of the show of me uh, being cranky about why government got so big. And I understand on the flip side why some people really like it. Uh, I'm, I'm not so myopic as to say that the government doesn't have its place and it doesn't do certain things well. Because the government sometimes does things better than the private sector can do. So there is a balance, and I'm okay paying some taxes to reach that balance. But right. by and large, I like a smaller government. But again, I see people on the other side of the spectrum that are friends of mine that have different ideologies. And you know what? They don't want to take away all of my freedoms and have me wear the standard uniform and march to the same beat as everybody else. I mean, they like freedom too, and they like life to go the way they like. And so it's just a different take. So I don't think that just because somebody has a different political bend than me that they want some kind you know, I mean, this is a classic right-wing conspiracy of like every, everybody on the left is trying to march toward communism. I doubt it, right? If it is, it's not on purpose. I don't think that's what people want. Think that they're just saying things like healthcare is ridiculously expensive and the government's already involved. Should we let them do more? And, you know, we have difference of opinion of how to, to maybe uh, improve the cost of healthcare. Uh, but again, not the purpose of this program. That's just the idea is I like 
I like the government to be literally smaller. Like you just need fewer employees and you need a, a, less of a reach into our lives. Well, and it doesn't mean that, you know, there couldn't be more private sector hiring by the government to do the jobs, right? So putting more money in the private sector, enabling uh, more companies. I, I actually like that. I like the nonprofit partnership concept. You know, if you're going to give a, a, a nonprofit, you know, if they're not going to pay taxes, then they're going to be held accountable to the public, and they're going to have a representative board of directors that's going to be helping guide those, that uh, they can provide a lot of benefit at a better price point than the government can. Yeah, I, I like those kinds of partnerships. Well, I was just thinking about um, someone that was in our office recently who has worked out on the fire lines, and they were talking about they work in the private sector, and they were called out to help cut trails for fire lines because there wasn't enough – there just wasn't enough government to go around to help with all the fires going on in Oregon, right? So a lot of the private sector got pulled in to help with the fires, Right. And that's a great example of like, hey, you have a job to do, but when it exceeds what you're able to do in a certain amount of time, pull in help. Yeah. And and in our area, that's a real hot button because, you know, why is so much of the forest? Uh, I'm not going to get into who started it or what happened. And, right. Exactly. I mean, and so this is what I mean, though. It's like you, you start to say, well, you know, I, I'm not sure what the line is. And, you know, what I by and large learn is that government has. There's bureaucracy and bloat in government, but there's typically reasons it exists. And so, I, again, I'm not myopic to this stuff. I'm just saying, in general, when, when given the ability to make government smaller, I will make government smaller because I think the private sector has different incentives and because the private sector typically fuels the public sector, right? The money in the economy is generated by the private sector, and then the government collects those taxes in order to fund its operation. Right. So, so it's kind of a big, big circle of life. It's really healthy. Well, yeah. I mean, people look at the middle class of the 50s and 60s post-World War II and that thriving middle class. And there's this whole philosophy behind why it happened uh, that, you know, essentially the United States was the only manufacturer in the world. But guess what? The private sector was really big and the government was really small. And then the government's appetite grew. And now today – some decades later, it's much harder for the private sector to fund the public sector. And when people say, well, corporations need to pay their taxes or this, that, and the other, I just kind of roll my eyes and go, so that's just a business expense for a corporation, which means if the corporate tax rate's higher, it gets passed to the consumer, and the consumer pays it in other forms. Right. So anyway, um, that's not the end of the world show. That's Dave <laughs> talking about the mechanics of government and his frustrations. Where are we doing that? <laughs> So are, is the world going to end? Are the markets going to collapse? Is my bank account going to be empty tomorrow? I suppose, it, again, if we're hit by asteroids, maybe. <laughs> um, I will tell you, so let's, let's cover the things that I think are. So first of all, the, the one that I promised before the break that we'll, we cover is, um, is the currency going to collapse? So I want to talk about that one because that's the one that we most hear often here in our offices. Well, is the dollar going to collapse because we printed so much money, we're just going to implode the economy? So we'll address that one. I'll say what I think. And then when we talk about what I think really could hurt us, like there are things that are actual dangers out there. But I think that our currency is going to collapse. Katie, first, do you think our currency is going to collapse? Personally, I don't. Okay. Why? Because we have a printing press. I don't, I mean, is, are you talking about just the value becoming worth nothing? I don't when you say currency well, collapse, can you define that a little more clearly, I guess, for me? Because I don't feel like my dollars well, aren't going to go anywhere right now. We're printing dollars 
And so it's going to lead to a massive inflation and the dollars are going to become worthless. And then the rest of the world is going to just stop accepting dollars and the United States is going to be bankrupt. Yeah, I don't think that at all. Because let me tell you, it was almost harder when I was in Mexico to pay with pesos than it was American dollars. It was just easier to do dollars. Uh, like they all wanted me to pay with American cash. They didn't want, I mean, when I said, no, I have pesos, they all kind of went, eh, okay. And then they started doing their little conversion. They're like, oh, it's this much. And I actually, oddly enough, felt like I paid more when I paid in pesos because there wasn't a consistent conversion. Everybody was kind of doing it on the fly. So then when I started calculating it out, I was like, man, like it's, it, you know, there wasn't any consistency. It was almost easier to pay with American dollars. That was my yeah. personal experience, and it just happened a couple weeks ago. So that's why yeah. I don't think American dollars are going to go anywhere. So I wanted, for our listeners, this question happens a lot, right? I mean, what about the dollars? So I want to talk about the liquidity of the markets, right, and what that means. But I'm realizing because I got off track here, I monologued too long about me wanting small government. Doggone it. So now we have to, like, apologize, take a break, and then I have to give you the answer about really, you know, why the currency is not going to collapse, but what we really should be afraid of. Okay? But we got to take our break. So, Katie, I'll let you take us out. This is David Littlejohn. <laughs> and Katie Shook, and you're listening to The True Wealth Show on News Radio 1240 KQEN. back with the true wealth radio show with your hostess with the mostest today maybe the least katie shook and on air with me david little john from the coast <laughs> undisclosed no so i'm up in astoria uh, you know i'm a little jealous because i've always wanted to go and i've never seen it so you got to take lots of pictures and show me so i know what i'm getting myself into sure well i mean in this case don't feel bad it's gray it's been raining to it's beautiful yesterday but it's raining right now and we're going to make our way down the coast. The So the 101 over the course of this week, it is funny that it's election week. And I was been, I've been biting my nails a little bit, but the technology has been working. We've had our Wi-Fi hotspot is working and uh, the kids have been able to do their remote school. So, yay, COVID. Right. And here we are on the radio still able to call in. So right. I guess. You know, we'll we'll work with it in the 21st century here. Creating, it's interesting when you go, oh, I have all this technology. And now you're like, yep, now I use it. And you're not the only one. I mean, I have family members that are doing the same thing. They're like, I can work from anywhere. So might as well go on the road and get some beautiful sights and change the scenery. But hey, before we left yeah. on the break, we were talking about the liquidity of the markets and well, talking the about dollar, the dollar. The dollar, yes, yes. So I, I just want to, I'm going to do this in fairly quick, right? I, I want to give everybody a sense here of why I don't think the dollar is going to collapse, even though we're printing lots of money. Now, can the currency values change? Yes, right? If you print a lot of dollars and you put them into circulation and you don't otherwise change the amount of product that's available to purchase, right? What did you just do? You increased the supply of dollars, but you didn't really change the demand side of things, which means, or, or you didn't change the supply of products, right? So the, you now have more dollars to throw at the same amount of product. It changes the supply and demand curve, okay? But where, where people, are, I think, are missing the boat is when they say, well, if we print more dollars, everybody else is going to 
uh, or it's going to devalue our currency and they're going to turn on us, right? Mechanically, yeah. that's unlikely. I don't see that it's happening. unlikely for a couple of reasons. Now, do people, like, I will tell you that I believe China wants to see that happen over time, and I think they're trying to position themselves over and this is over years and decades, mind you, right? But it'll, so over years and decades, I think they would like to become an alternative to the U.S. dollar as a commodity market. Well, right? and one so of the things you say a lot oil, is think chess, not checkers, right? We're, they're not thinking one move ahead. Yeah. They're thinking decades ahead. So think chess, think strategy yeah, moves long. Long-term strategy here. Long right. Game, very right. long game. And so... On the long game, China would love to be in a position to become the world's reserve currency. But the reserve currency is uh, it's, it's what we trade most of our commodities in. It's what we price gold in. It's what we price oil in. And so, like, people, you know, China buys, for the most part, they buy barrels of oil in dollars, right? So it matters what the U.S. dollar's value is compared to other currencies. If we print a bunch, it would, in theory, affect the price. And it has to some extent. But the weird thing is the dollar has gotten stronger. As the European economies have struggled, the dollar was much stronger. So printing the dollars has just sort of weakened the dollar compared to other currencies a little bit. But the other economies have to manage COVID just like we do. So we see in the European Central Bank, they've done uh, quantitative easing as well. And so we're seeing other economies print money a lot like the United States. So it's sort of a keeps things at an amount of parity. So are we are we like the popular kid and everybody's just copying what we do? Well, it's not that it's more of a everybody's in this one at the same time. So it's it's sort of this uh, it's almost like an oligopoly, right? Everybody just sort of agrees to do it. Uh, At least that's been my observation. I can't really say what Japan's policy is, but they've been quantitative easing and dealing with stuff for years. They've had low to no interest rates for decades now. And, uh, you know, the European Union has been doing this since Greece. And they've got other issues, too, because they have, you know, all these independent economies that had previously, you know, they have different capacities. So Germany is strong. France is strong. Greece is weak. But they're all equally yoked. Right. Or are they? So if if you think about the dollars, though, you know, where what other currency in the world is capable of when we call it a liquid market? It's like, where else could you go where you can be, get people that will exchange dollars uh, or, or a currency as easily as dollars? They're all over the world. And they're the markets, they say they're deep markets and they're highly liquid, meaning you can get into like you can move billions of dollars around in U.S. Treasury bonds with the few flips of buttons. Isn't right? that There's crazy? So many places. It's so crazy. Billions of dollars can be moved easily, like easily. Yeah, like from your computer. (laughs) That's that's crazy to think about. But you can't do that with other currencies. You can actually affect the value because they just they're not as deep a market. So the U.S. dollars is such a deep market that it makes it an, an accommodative mechanism for countries all over the world to utilize, which is why we get away with what we do. Now, the bigger problem isn't us printing money right now, it is our debt to GDP ratio, right? We have so much debt that the debt service becomes a significant part of our of, the, of what our economy has to produce just to pay for the debt, right? It's like when the minimum payment on the credit card gets too big for you to afford, that's a different problem, okay? And that does have an, a long-term effect on our faith and credit. Uh, and, and it seems to me that regardless of who's in, in office, right, somebody's always willing to spend more money 
right? So uh, the, the Trump administration has, by, has not been financially uh, conservative, right? They're spending tons of money and then tack on to it COVID. I mean, even if you back COVID monies out, they still spent a ton of money, like more than the Obama administration. And the Obama administration was criticized greatly because prior to the Obama administration, that administration accrued more debt than all prior administrations combined. And then the Trump administration did even more so. And that's supposedly the party of financial responsibility. And I'm kind of going, well, I I don't know that I buy it. Right. But again, we were talking about government being bigger. Is that just because government's bigger? Like we just have more people on our team. So we're paying for more. It's lots of stuff. Uh, you know, the, the government budget's complex, and government accounting's not like personal accounting. Governments don't really amortize things. So when a government buys a battleship or an aircraft carrier, it just pays for it. When it buys a new building, it just pays for it. It doesn't say, oh, well, this is a 50-year lifespan, so I'll amortize it over 50 years and we'll do accrual accounting. Uh, it doesn't do that the way business does it in the United States. So it's, uh, it's a little bit of an unusual animal, but also – it's just it's it's big numbers two-thirds of its entitlements right social security and medicare is two-thirds of the budget and then you've got big expenditures in between education and law enforcement and military and all those other things that we have uh, regulation of commerce paving highways i mean it's they're just really big numbers and when we have infrastructure projects uh you know it's just the government saying well let's take and spend more money on that one-third of discretionary you know, they're not inventing more Social Security or more Medicare. They're just saying, let's just spend more in these other categories. Right. Well, and I mean, Social Security is a good one, too. Like it was brought up today in a meeting and they said, oh, I, you know, I wonder what Social Security is going to do. And I'm like, they're not going to turn it off because that's going to put grandma and grandpa out on the street really quickly. Right. And honestly, like yeah. if they were going to turn it off, it would almost need to happen with a generation that has not worked, has not stepped foot into the workforce yet. Right. They haven't paid yeah, into Social it. Security. It's it's not broke the way people think it's it's a population problem more than it is a uh, a money problem. Like you, most people think there's no savings account for Social Security. Yeah, there's no magic bank account somewhere that the government has access to. It's the amount of people put paying into Social Security versus the amount of people drawing on it every month. Right. And, and so if you've got a Gen X, like, you know, me, Generation X is, is that, that group. That, uh, yeah. So it's like from 1968 to 1980. Right. That small window population wise. Generation X is just small. Right. I mean, there's there's fewer Gen Xers than there were baby boomers or the Generation Y or the millennials that follow. Right. So the Gen X generation is just small. There's not as many people. And so uh, when everybody's taking retirement, there's not that many, as many people paying in. And so it's really hard to get a small generation to pay for a big generation. So Social Security is top heavy, right? It's actuarially top heavy. So it's underfunded. That's why when they say, well, it's, it's, you know, it's going to go broke, well, it'll go to a point where it's funded at like 72 cents on the dollar because there's not enough people paying in to make up for the gap. And so then there's, well, how are we going to do it? Well, odds are Gen X is going to be asked to pay more. And that's really what's going to happen. And take less. Well, let's just raise the, 
Let, let's um, we'll raise we'll the, age the age they can grab it and, and we'll, we'll also, pay them less and we'll raise the limit so we won't cap it anymore so it you know right now there's a cap at just over I think 130,000 bucks that you don't pay social security taxes anymore they'll uncap it and say look if you make half a million dollars a year you pay social security tax on all of it even though you'll never see it right and so that, I mean that's what they'll do is and and you know what Katie they can you know why because they're the government because <laughs> they, well, no, they have more voters Remember, uh, the baby boom generation's little, so or, or the the Gen X is little, so they're not going to have the voting power to stop it. Right, so you're going to get all the people happen. that want the money outvote the people that don't want to have that happen. Right, right. You could vote to take it from the people that can't, don't have enough votes to defend themselves. So th- there you go. So look, uh, that's the answer on the dollar, though. Why I don't think it's really going to collapse. Can it weaken? Sure. Does it matter? Yes. But does it collapse us overnight because we overspent? No. And that's the problem, right? It's like just getting drunk slowly. And, you know, eventually you're, you go numb and then you're too dumb to realize what you did. So you just <laughs> and then you wake up with a bad, a bad hangover idea. and got to figure out how to clean up the mess. Yeah, <sighs> so we don't want that. We don't want it. It's like it's, it's like we got to get away from the punch bowl here. Look, we're running long. We got to grab our last break. So why don't we do that? When we come back, I'm going to give you two thoughts. One, what could actually melt down our financial system? Like, what do you have to worry about? And I'll give you a couple thoughts on the election, but let's run right now. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook, and you're listening to True Wealth on New Re- News Radio 1240 KQEN. And we're back. It goes by All so right. fast. Hey, Katie. I know it does, and you're gonna, you're gonna, you've got the clock, right? So you got to give me the signal when we're short on time. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, oh, I wasn't man. sure if you were looking at. I, that's true. That's true. I well, am. I'm looking, but you know, <laughs> I don't have the official clock. You do. Hey, David, it's four fifty-five. That's what I see too. All right, I'm glad we're on the same page. <laughs> All right, I want to tell everybody. You know, I think there's one thing out there that we don't often talk about that really would be pretty catastrophic what is that uh i mean like it would it like it would create a mess Uh, and it's not what folks think it's not a war it's not uh an asteroid that would do it too though just so we're clear right if you if you're wondering about the asteroid thing you got to just listen to the podcast we we talked about it earlier Uh, that's true we did Uh, so they go littlejohnfs.com that's our shameless plug uh, so that you but can just skip the first out. 10 minutes of the podcast because that's me bumbling not being able to listen to David although it's pretty yeah, funny it's only like seven you know <laughs> oh okay only seven that makes not me feel fault. better thanks <laughs> not your fault uh it was a, it was a tough launch you know it's and it, maybe that's just going to be how it'll be like foreshadowing the way the election gets handled we'll see uh all right so Katie if you had to think one thing that really could just mess stuff up uh, in the the financial system, what do you think it would be? I honestly have no idea. All right, I'm you're trying to you lead the witness, take. but I have no idea well, on that. It's I, I'm not trying to lead the witness. Uh, there's a handful of people that are going to go, I do it, and then there's a bunch of people that are going to go, Oh yeah, right. That 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 would that's be probably good. me. The second camp. Uh, All right. Yeah. So if there was a massive, uh, like like very broad event and it would be something equivalent to like a massive sunspot type of event that created a large global globally effective electromagnetic pulse okay oh uh, like wiped a, out the servers large, kind of thing 
Right. A large EMP that was capable of making a significant data meltdown where we had a lot of data that was otherwise archived or that was, you know, it could be redundant in many places. But if we had, say, a continent wide electromagnetic like a blackout yeah like a con yeah okay more than a blackout though it's literally like a circuit fry where it kind of blows up memory and data um and what happens is it would disintegrate the data not disintegrate like melt it down but like it would no longer be integrated and it would be a patchwork quilt and it would be it would mess with the records to say well who had what who owns how much yeah and then how much of the records get chunked and yeah yeah. it's kind of like the the end game of uh fight club if you i don't want to spoil the movie but the if you've seen it those of you that have seen it you'd get it but the end game of it you know it's essentially uh if there was a like a terrorist attack that could strategically coordinate uh nationwide destruction of data centers simultaneously well i always think of like oceans 11 when they do the emp and then they you know fraudulently cause like all the machines to go haywire and people to hit slots and yeah like money well, goes that nuts a, yeah that was a whole another animal too but uh that was a fun movie but um anyway you get the idea that an emp would be a disaster okay but i think that uh well, i actually think we even have more prepared for that than folks realize but but it would because it would take it be so broad spread it's actually hard to do a global emp right because you know the sun only hits half the earth at a time half of it's sheltered so even that, I think, is a really hard thing to, to coordinate, but it's not impossible. Again, it's just extraordinarily far out on the tail risk. So there you Crazy. go. Now, the last one, the election. Uh, what happens if we um, elect a new president? Uh, life goes, goes on. on. <laughs> That's it. Life is going to go on. So I think the market's going to march on either way, and I don't know that it cares what the outcome is. I am still interested to see it, so we will watch and see hopefully by next week we'll have our answer but i can tell by the music we're out of time katie thanks for pulling it off remote today oh thanks for coming on the show with me you're listening to the true wealth radio show on news radio 1240 kqen the preceding program was paid for by little john financial services the opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of brook communications its affiliates or its employees